Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast of two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Winsor Burns, along my counterpart, Savon Morris. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good, man. How's everything? It's going pretty good. And for tonight, we have a lot of topics to get into, um, as usual, obviously. We have to recap just, uh, uh, just a very legendary um, divisional weekend round. Um, a, a, a lot of int- very intriguing matchups that, that that took place. Also, um, a couple, a few album reviews in the second half. We're going to do a review of Django Unchained. But to start off with, just thoughts on the epic endings of Bill Chiefs and um, the stellar quarterback play that we saw from both Josh Allen and Mahomes um, this past Sunday night. Kansas City was able to win, just an absolute thriller and um, uh, just a, a, a very down to the wire type of matchup. Forty-two to thirty-six in overtime. The lead changed three times in the final two minutes of regulation, and there were 25 points scored over that stretch. Um, Holmes finished with 378 passing yards and three touchdowns, um, including a 64-yarder to Tyreek Hill and then the clutch throw to Kelsey at the end. But what were your takeaways You know, from a game where the offenses were electric near the end, you had Buffalo winning, and it, it did seem like it was going to be that way with 13 seconds left, but then the Chiefs go on just an, yeah. an incredible drive and are able to, <laughs> to win overtime, which I, 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 with 13 seconds left, I don't think anybody expected it to end that no. way. <laughs> not, not at all, man. What a what a game, first and foremost, man. What an excellent game. Yeah. Football this year. It's been great. NFL, NCAA has been amazing. Everything you ask for this season, man. But you look at what the Bills were able to do, man. Allen, bro. I don't understand how he was. He's got next, man. Yes. How he was not. I mean, he's 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 now. He's, he's the present. I mean, like, like, like this guy's up there. Oh, for sure. I don't. I don't understand how he didn't get recruited high. I love the way he he put himself out there, emailing coaches, out, <laughs> millions mm-hmm. of coaches, thousands of coaches, trying to get uh, somebody to just give him a shot, man. And now the Bills draft yeah. him. Is this first three seasons, man? We see him progress and improve every single season. I saw somebody say uh, Patrick Mahomes and, and Allen are the next uh, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Brady. I don't know about that. Just yet, but I think it's going to be crazy. But what he did, the show this might be the next rivalry. Like I feel as though the yeah, way the way it should be worded, sure. this is going to be the next rivalry that we see for the next decade. Yeah, because all the uh, quarterbacks we grew up on, Bill Roethlisberger is about to retire. Tom Brady, mm-hmm. I feel like he's going to retire. He had that that jargon, that old head say when they when they start talking about family, and he's probably going to retire this year. But what, you think this is it for him? You think this is his last season? Tom Brady, for sure. Yeah. I think so. Oh. When you start when you start mentioning your family and what you have to do for your family, that jargon, it kind of indicates, okay, I thought I was going to get one more Super Bowl. My family wants me to be home. I got to be a dad. I've been mm-hmm. an NFL football player for how many X amount of years? So at this time, probably I'll have to hang it up. Mm-hmm. And he kept mentioning his wife and stuff like that. So, yeah, it, it kind of indicates that he's he's going to retire. Mm-hmm. He's probably not going to say something here shortly, but it's going to be in a matter, matter of months. But – but what the Bills were able to do, man, they, they look good. Allen, man, he put everything out there. The defense looked good. Gabriel but Davis. <laughs> I mean, he man. just killed it. Kansas City Chiefs, man. Goodness, man. Patrick Mahomes, bro. And like that really is the thing. Even though we see it year after year, sustained excellence and greatness, it, at, at some point, it, it's just sometimes it's almost too much to overcome. And like you really – this is a team that you have to you have to finish them off in a methodical fashion. Like yes. even when you think it's like it's completely over. Like when I saw 13 seconds left, I mean everybody thinks it's over, but this is a team like they've been there before. Like even how they control the clock management, 
you, you look, look at a game like where the, the Cowboys, they don't, yeah. know, don't, don't know what to do at the end. Kelsey and Mahomes were completely yeah. calm, even with a few seconds left and exactly, you know, knew exactly what to do. And I love how on, they're on the same page, the chemistry the Chiefs has. It's, it's not more so, yeah, they throw great play, plays at you. They have the weapons. They utilize everybody to the yeah. T. But it's the chemistry. When, when, in, in the Selleck, I mean, not Selleck, uh, Kelsey said this. He was like, look, I'm, I'm whatever they give me, I'm going to take. If they, uh, they're double teaming me on the outside inside, I'm going to go up the middle. It should be mm-hmm. wide open. And then at the, at the, at the line and Patrick Mahomes like, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. He didn't look anywhere else. If you look at his head motion, Patrick was looking at Travis Kelsey the entire time, having the same chemistry and knew where he was going to go and threw it right there and got a deep and set it up for the kick. So, the chemistry aspect that the Kansas City Chiefs have, it's, it's far more none than any other team in the yeah. NFL. And it showed when it mattered the most. So, and, and, and that won the game, man. What a freak. That's, that's it, crazy. That it's is so insane, insane man. man. And, and I mean, like, even looking even at it from the Bills' perspective, because you look at what they were able to do last year. They lost in Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. This year they win the, win the division, yeah. and it feels as though like this was going to be like their next step to get past the Chiefs. Like, like for them, how, like what do, what are their takeaways for, from this season and just what they have going forward? Because they have all the pieces, but they just they were they were just kind of came up short in a, in a way that it's it's demoralizing. But you still see the signs of this team can go the distance. They have what it takes to go the distance in the future years. You know, it's just about the game of inches, they say, in uh, the fo- football is. It's, they set yeah. themselves up so perfectly. Like like you said, 13 seconds left. You think you're going to, you know, play the right defense. They're not going to get in the field goal range. You're gonna, if they do, you're going to ice the kicker, and then you're mm-hmm. going to the, the, the championship. AFC championship. And you have everything set up. But when you have a – it's just about who you're playing and, and what's next. It's, exactly. It's, it's that, and that was a design play. So they were on the same, same uh, had the same chemistry and knew that what the defense were given, they were probably in a, a high cover four or cover two. The middle of the field is going to be wide open in that zone. So okay, let's 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 isolate that and get that in there. Yes. Yeah. You can't set yourself up more than that. The Bills are on the right track. They have all the pieces right. They're just going to add to that. I think they they set themselves up in that game. It's just Kansas City Chiefs had a a better. Uh, Lasting, uh, 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 lasting play. They got a standing ovation for real. Like mm-hmm. you, 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 you can't, you can't. That's uh, standing ovation worthy. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. You can't. The Bills did everything in their power. Allen did everything in their power. The running game was working. It's just yeah, it's just one of the cards. Definitely. Um, and now transitioning to to the Bucks' uh, late comeback, just coming up short, and the Rams picking up the dramatic win. Um, and the Rams three point one on the road. Matthew Stafford three for um three for three hundred sixty three hundred sixty six yards and two touchdowns without an interception, and had a pair of long completions. To NFL receiving leader Cooper Cup positioned the Rams for Matt uh, Gay's thirty yard field goal as time expired. But what were kind of your just thoughts on this win? As it, it was the type where the Rams were completely dominant for most of the game. Tampa Bay it almost feels as though like. How we've seen with recent Brady uh, comebacks with, with the Patriots in the past years, they were about to pull it off, but Stafford just really closed out the game very well. And Cooper Cup um, just looked excellent as he like as he really has for most of the season. They were getting to Tom, yeah. What we talked okay. about, they were pressuring Tom Brady. The running game with Fournette and and wasn't really working in the beginning. So and then Matthew Stafford, they have the weapons. Cooper Cup, those guys, they have the weapons. And I don't understand why would you go man oh man. Makes no sense. 
Which just come on, like you're just, you're just asking to to lose the game. <laughs> and I understand you're trying to rattle, and it's it, it, it's it's probably was 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 going to be what uh, seven yeah. on six. I think they blitz like seven guys. You think if somebody's going to get free, but when you have Cooper Cup, I think Cooper Cup was in the slot, and he's <laughs> nobody can hold him in the slot. Now on the outside, him being the X or the Y, it'll be different. But he was the inside receiver. Yeah. That at some point you got to check that and go back to zone, or if you're gonna do man, have have a uh, cover, uh, do cover zero, a man or uh, two men's over top. Yeah. Like, what well, I don't understand that Cooper Cup had a phenomenal oh, yes. game. He was eating the entire time, so I understand what type of. And I wouldn't expect that from Todd Bowles. I wouldn't expect that from Todd Bowles of all people, because like you, like we saw the defensive like strategy he put together in in the last Super Bowl, but it, like just putting that. Putting that type of strategy together near the end was completely puzzling. Yeah, and I, I think you you risk it, you you take a risk, you blitz them, you get to them, you get praise, at least get them rattled. But they picked it the blitz <laughs> no. up perfectly, and he just dumped the dumped the dime to Cooper yeah. Cup down the field. I, I, I mean, it could have went either way. But if I'm a defensive coordinator, I won't be aggressive. I'll be conservative that play, knowing that Cooper Cup mm-hmm. is going to be man on man with one of my guys who are not even top tier. But hats off to the Rams for seeing that. They, they, they noticed that in probably Cooper Cup, they probably isolated Cooper Cup and gave him an audible play, and then he did what he does best, man. And I'm extremely yeah. happy for Matthew that, that, Stafford. That was finally, one of the big takeaways. Finally. For sure, man. And, and I, I don't know who I had winning, but I, was, I knew I wanted Matthew yeah. Stafford to at least get to the championship. At least he gets the championship. I don't really? think they'll go to the Super Bowl. Okay. But at least get to the championship. No, 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 no. And you, and you know why? And, and that's what and that's what people are picking. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I can definitely, I, I, I can definitely see that because the 49ers, they are coming in with, the, the, like, the, they've just had so much success against the Rams, and the, and the Rams haven't been able, haven't been able to beat them at all this season. Yes. Um, but but now getting into kind of just the disappointment of the Packers not advancing, and then. San Francisco getting getting to the NFC Championship. Look, man, I don't know why we do this. Every year we do this. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I tell people, look, I'm rooting for the Packers, so uh, my co is gonna be happy, and they want to Super Bowl. Like, that's what I'm rooting for. But just in, in this game, like, <laughs> we see it's it was extremely low scoring. Um, Rogers goes twenty of twenty nine for two hundred twenty five yards and dropped zero yeah. four in his career. I, I, in his, in his career playoff starts against the 49ers. And looking at just, even though San Francisco had a brutal start in, in terms of their offense, their their special teams ended up being one of the biggest deciders for their win. But what are your thoughts on k- kind of just the success San Francisco has been able to have against Green Bay over, over the years and how they were able to, the special teams was able to really decide this game in the end? You know, we have one of the worst special teams ever, like, this has been a thorn on our side. There's two things Green Bay Packers always lack in, special teams and, mm, yeah. and secondary. It's been like that. You remember when we played the Seahawks, when the Seahawks went to Super Bowl and just waxed. Uh, no, 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 when they went to Super Bowl against the Patriots and we were beating the crap out of the Seahawks. It was an onside kick. They got that. And then there was another play with our special teams and they got that and we lost and we went to the Super Bowl. And Man, it's, and that's not the only. It's a, I could give you a laundry list of games where our special teams have been yeah. not good. So you get a block, you get a block field goal. That's the game changer. 
You get a block punt for a touchdown. Game changer. 49ers didn't do anything. We were stopping. We were, we were stopping uh, Debo. George Kittle had, I think, four catches, 40, 40, 63 yards. He wasn't, he was non-existent. I do give my hats off to uh, the defense, how they started right. covering Devontae after the first two series. That was a, that was a difference maker. And other guys weren't getting open. AJ Dillon goes down. And then the 49ers defensive line started pressuring Aaron Rodgers like no other. The defense played really good. The uh, second, third quarter, and fourth quarter, it got a, a little locked to daily. But mm-hmm. special teams made a difference in this. Offense didn't look good. Man, it's, it was a lot of things that uh, attributed to 49ers win, but the, the biggest thing was special teams. They didn't do anything special. They tried to u- utilize Debo multiple times. That was going to stop. Then he got hurt a little bit. And then Jimmy Garoppolo, he <laughs> – yeah, man. Yeah, man. But I, this is what I do love, though, and a lot of people say this, and I've said this countless times. You have to make Jimmy beat you. They did a great job with not putting. Do you still the ball think Jimmy? Can, do you think? Do you really trust? And this is my thing. This is the reason why I'm not picking the 49ers to go to Super Bowl. Do you trust Jimmy G to make the the, the, the big? I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not because I I really feel <laughs> as though it's going to come down to who's going to make the bigger play between no. Stafford and no. Jimmy G. And I don't think Jimmy can do it yet. Like, like, how is your confidence in terms oh, of just sure. what he can do in a, in a big game? Because we saw even in that Super Bowl against the Chiefs, he wasn't able to make the right, the, the right, uh, the, the right pass enough to, to Emmanuel Sanders, and that's what got them, no. you know, from 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 even winning Super Bowl. Oh, for sure. You didn't have to finish that that, that sentence. He's not capable of making the big throws. I I put him and Jared Goff in the same. In the same, exactly, in the yeah. same, uh, same room, if you will, because those guys, when it matters the most, they can't. They don't step up. That's that's the difference between a good quarterback and a great quarterback. They don't mm-hmm. step up in those times. And if you allow Jimmy to beat you, something's wrong. And I, this is what I think. This is why I think they're going to beat the Rams because the 49ers have been so successful. Not getting having Jimmy to beat them, they're they've finding strategic ways to give other people the ball. The running game has been working. Debo Samuel has been doing has been killing things. It. George Kittle has been killing uh, mismatches since the, the first matchup. So they figure out ways not to put the Jimmy the ball. How the Rams will beat them if they pressure Jimmy? If they if they stop the running game and, and and then the Rams put up points and allow and Jimmy has to throw the ball, if he's playing from behind, it's over. If he's playing from behind, it's, it's over. over. Yeah, for sure, for sure. If he if you're up and you're it's a good game and all he has to do is manage the game and not make m- minor mistakes, and then, then you got a chance. Jimmy, you got a chance. Jimmy yeah. doesn't make um the big mistakes. Mm-hmm. He doesn't make big mistakes. But if you try to get, if he has to go and be ambitious, <laughs> <laughs> ambitious Jimmy, it's not a, yeah, it's not a good thing. If he has to be ambitious and try to figure out how to get the ball down the field, it's not going to go well. Mm-hmm. That's not the type of quarterback he is. He's a game manager at best. Definitely. Um, and, and, and so much is, you know, especially with this game has been discussed about, you know, mm-hmm. e- even from last year, what Aaron Rodgers' future is going to look like. And, you know, th- there have been teams like Denver and e- even even um, uh, Las Vegas as, as possible destinations. But, like, w- like, what do you see in terms of his future? And just, like, this season, it was it was a very successful season, just like last year. They get the number one seed. 
But there's still the circulating yeah. questions about like, does he need another place to just finally get over that hump? And and you know, this is a quarterback who who does who should have more than one Super Bowl and get to that elite status mm-hmm. of, of multiple rings. Ooh, the status of a lot, not just <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. Zadarius right. Smith yeah. is, is 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 about to get, get out of there. Um Bonte has one more year, and um I don't think he he'll retain if if Aaron Rodgers doesn't stay. And and Aaron Rodgers gave us uh, a Hansel and Gretel crumb, if you will, saying, I'm not interested in rebuilding. So that means the same thing they did last year, they'll have to do this year. Like retaining Randall Cobb, uh, going to get some other guys, retaining Zadarius Smith on the defense. It's he's not interested. He's like he's forty. He's 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 pushing the end of his career. He doesn't. He is not interested. In, oh, we gotta we're gonna rebuild, rebuild. We just lost the mm-hmm. offensive coordinator. So it's it's gonna be interesting what he does if they retain Zadarius Smith. I think that's to be big. Even though he he wasn't here the entire season, but when he got in the game, you could tell the difference yeah. he brings. To our defense, Rashad, Rashad, Gary looked looked good. Kendall, uh, Kenny Clark looked good, but I think with Zadarius Smith, he brings that different element. Precious Smith looked good, but a different element is in there. We need to retain those guys, and I think that will mm-hmm. keep Aaron Rodgers there. And then just fix the special teams, man. I don't understand why our special teams are so trash. It's those little things right it's there. It's the specific details that's holding them back. It's minor mistakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. If you look at every game, right. last year was Tampa Bay. <laughs> Uh, minor mistakes. That's minor all that's holding them back. That, that cost you in the end. That's it. That's it. This year was literally after we lost that first game mm-hmm. and went on a crazy streak. I knew that we were ready to go the distance. Even with we're doing this without a starting left tackle, we're doing this without Zadarius Smith, most of it, which required Rashawn Gary, um, low. Uh, Preston Smith, all those guys. We did it without Zaire Alexander, who's our top cornerback. We did all this without our top guys. And when they got back, I was like, okay, this is going to be – and then it's little minor mistakes that they hold you back. But if they don't correct those things and retain some guys instead of rebuilding, then Aaron Rodgers right. is going to walk. Definitely. Um, and not just thing to, to Joe Burrow's just continued playoff run and how the Titans can improve their team for next season. Um, in this matchup, Cincinnati was able to win by three on the road against – number one seeded tight ends off of Evan McPherson's 52-yard field goal as time expired. And the Bengals intercepted Tannehill three times, setting up two of uh, McPherson's four field goals. Joe Burrow also shook off, you know, being sacked nine times as Tennessee tied an NFL mark held by four other teams for the most in the postseason. And he threw for um, 384 yard, yards to become the first QB taken overall to win a divisional game within his first two seasons. But in terms of just how a young Bengals team was able to pick up this type of road win, uh, what, what stood out the most for you in this victory for them? Joe Joe Burrow, man, Jamar Chase, man. Mm-hmm. This team is scary. Scary good, and they're young. That's yeah. what. That's what they I don't know. Any, they don't know any better. They're, they're like we're supposed to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, football's in good hands. Yes, the future football, is set up so well for football. Is in good hands, man, and that's mm-hmm. that's the beauty of it. But you, the, the, their, their offense, man, that's the beauty. And then and I, I talk about the chemistry aspect. When you have a guy who's played at a national championship with another receiver on the same team, and I know how he plays. It's a cheat code. That do. is a cheat code. <laughs> I know where to put it at. Like, that's why most of these general managers, 
And they did this for Andrew Luck when he first got in the league. They drafted his tight end from the from Stanford. And he did pretty good his rookie his first two years with Andrew Luck. So they know how to get the same guys, just the chemistry. It doesn't wane, it doesn't fall off, it doesn't go anywhere. If you play with a guy at college, you went to a national championship and made a, a statement in a national championship, it's going to transpire and translate to the NFL. It doesn't matter who they are. But the offense, man, that's that's the biggest point. Joe Burrow is not looking like a second-year guy. And I, I, I say this is his rookie's year. It really is his rookie year if you look at it. For sure. <laughs> if, you, if you look at it, it, it the even guy play a full is season not last playing. Week. Yes, and he's playing like he's been in the NFL for like four or five years. <laughs> Already. <laughs> the game is slowed down. Having weapons like that and a good running game like that with Joe Mixon, like, it looks good. Offense and line looks good. The defense is still tweaking a little bit, but the offense is the, is the scary part. These guys are young. Just imagine if they get a oh tight end. Just imagine if they get uh, one of the top-rated uh, safeties yeah. out of Cincinnati. Scary hours. Just a this team is young, man. Scary <laughs> hours, man. But they're going to oh, make yeah. that match. <laughs> now, this Sunday, yeah, it's going to be different. But, like, but, but, before we move on, like, looking at Tennessee, obviously, like, with Derrick Henry coming back and the defense, they were doing everything everything that they could to keep this team in the game. Uh, Henry w- was, was looking stronger, like, mm-hmm. the earlier part of the uh, – he kind of like got his rhythm like through throughout the, the the duration of the game, and then with Tannehill first play throws the interception. Like he was, they they. I'm telling you, like that was that was why. Like the whole the, the home crowd is going crazy. Yeah. The first first play interception, Cincinnati's ball. Like it, it was just the type of game where, where whenever they had an opportunity, there was a, a big turnover that changed just like the feel of the game. Like what are what, what are kind of some of your takeaways on what Tennessee like the the difficulties that 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 they like really went through and also what they have to do going forward because this is a team that wants to get to that that next level but having an early loss like this was not what they you know even expected bro i'm gonna put ron Tannehill. <laughs> same room same go room. to the same room <laughs> jimmy and jericho and this has been like this yeah. since miami dolphins see and and the biggest thing now, if Derrick Henry was right. still playing and healthy, oh yeah, this game would have been a different story. We, we, we weren't we weren't seeing the same Derrick. That's Henry. the difference. They're big. No, no, they 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 want to have an answer for Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. That that defense wasn't ready for Derrick Henry, and that's the beauty about having a great running game. The quarterback it, it lessens the load for the quarterback, and then you can. You can utilize that with play actions, bootlegs. Um, you then you start getting one on one, one on ones on the outside because they're going to stack the box a little bit because they're trying to stop the running yeah. game. It opens up so much for Ryan Tannehill, and it makes Ryan Tannehill look good. Last year, look at the play when he when he won the playoff last year, and Derrick Henry was there. It made Ryan Tannehill look mm-hmm. good, and he got the contract. That's wild. <laughs> That's- I don't know what's going on. <laughs> He got the contract well attended. Didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. He didn't do nothing. And gave him the contract eight through three interceptions. That's who we're giving the contract to nowadays. That's the difference. With the running. Yes. Because they were like, oh, he was throwing mm-hmm. good because everybody was stacking the box. Of course. 
Of course they're gonna use single man yeah. safety, single high, single high safety. But they're trying to stop the run. They're gonna run a lot of cover three. Bring bring the linebackers in, bring the uh nickels in on the outside to try to stop the run. Everybody's gonna be one on one, of course. But that's the difference. That's what the Titans need. They need to make sure Derrick Henry is, is healthy and have a a encore for Derrick Henry. Definitely. They need another running back for Derrick Henry. Now you see what happens when, when your top-rated running back goes down and your offense doesn't look good. I applaud them for making it to that point. But if they had Derrick Henry, they'll be in the, yeah. the AFC um, championship. And, and now just to, to just thoughts on the key – um, storylines and X factors for both the AFC Championship and, and NFC Championship. Um, with, with with Chiefs Bengals, like to me, just the big plays are really going to be one mm-hmm. of the difference makers. As you know, both teams had five plays with twenty five yards or even more. In Cincinnati, you know, not having a sack or t- turnover in the last meeting is something that you know they're going to have to generate in, in this one to have success. And then uh, Rams Forty Niners, just LA generating a run game as they hadn't haven't been able to do in the, in the last few matchups, only averaging 58 rushing yards. And that's mm-hmm. something that they're really going to be really going to need to generate more up to, to, to uh, be able to, to win at home. But to you kind of like in both matchups, what do you think are going to be the, the key X factors? Mm-hmm. Uh, wide receiver core versus Definitely. wide receiver core. And that's, and I, and I include the tight ends in there too. I want to see if they have an answer for Travis Kelsey. I want to see if they have an answer for T Higgins and Jamar Chase. I think both teams have the ability to get people in spaces. And you look at what they've done with Jared McKinnon and, and some other guys out there, I feel like they do a great job of giving the people in space and giving the playmakers the ball. Who's going to have the better outcome? Mm-hmm. This is going to be a high-scoring game, I believe. Defense is not going to matter. It's going to come down to who can stop who at the last minute. I think it's going to go down to the Bills. That, like, it's going to be another one of those. Gonna be high-scoring games going to come down to the That's game. You. <laughs> because Joe Burrow – yeah, it's, it has to be. It's setting up for B. Look, you just you just look at the wide receiver core. You look at Patrick Mahomes extending plays. Joe Burrow can do the same. But I think both have our are, are close in, in similarities as quarterbacks, as leaders. Like on as, paper, as guys who can on paper, this is Chiefs Bills Part Two. <laughs> like it, like it almost is. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure, and and I think and, and it's an attestment yeah. to. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals because they're a young Not team, young. And, and the Bills is a young team too. But I, you look at these rookies and these guys who's he's doing, yeah, not as young. So it's going to be a good game. And for 49ers and the Rams, that's the key. Rams have to get after Jimmy. Rams have to get after Jimmy. That's the key. And the offense can, like you said, the run game. Kim Akers going to have to step up and be the guy. I know he just came off ACL. If, if you if you want to play the Super Bowl in LA, if you want to play the Super Bowl in LA, you got to get after Jimmy. The That's the key. Defense you want if you wanted it, if you wanted in LA, <laughs> you got to get after Jimmy, and you got to and you got to pick up the points. You got to you got to put points on the board. You have to get get them behind so Jimmy and be neck and neck throw the ball. Jimmy has to read the defense. Jimmy, 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 Jimmy has to do these things. Yes. So if they can do that, then. But you don't think they're going to do that. You still, you still like the 49ers. Debo's no. crazy, man. Debo no. is. is, is. Debo saying what happened to today. It George does feel like bigger brother, younger it, brother. It, it, just, it does. It, it does have that feel like San Francisco, I'm but they just they still feel comfortable against the Yeah, and it's it is crazy. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, Rams <laughs> are the better team. Definitely, the Rams are literally the better team. Literally mm-hmm. the better team. 
But it comes down to how you utilize these players. And the 49ers, these, these, this last stretch of five to ten games, they know how to – Kyle Shanahan knows how to get the ball to his guys. And – it was it was it was no secret mm-hmm. against yeah. the Packers how they how they utilize George Kittle with the one on one, and they know that because we run a lot of cover. But two out of the teams that we have left, though, like the what, what possible Super Bowl do you think would be the most competitive out of the teams that we have left? Mm-hmm. I, I would like That'd to see Cincinnati and uh, I would like to see Cincinnati and the Rams. I like mm. Cincinnati and Rams. Cincinnati and 49ers, it, it Cincinnati would still be a good matchup. It, it still would be, but I, the NFL, I know, what the, I know what the NFL wants to see. The NFL wants to see uh, Kansas City, LA. I, I, think, know what, I already know what they And it would be a good matchup. <laughs> <laughs> they might call it. They're like, uh, we want to see Mahomes versus oh, uh, Stafford, Cooper Cup, OPJ. They call the calls <laughs> to make sure that happens, for sure. Younger guys. But you know what's crazy? Be, I would like to see Cincinnati more than Kansas City Chief because these are younger guys. Bigger stage. George Burrow. A, what a story! What a story Super that would be. Win not even his full gear. Headlines, crazy, bro. I mean, he would almost be an instant Those legend. He would almost be like an instant legend, like his rookie. They, <laughs> they, they already got T Higgins. Seriously, like, it'll be like, come on, bro. If he, no, seriously. And then look at the storyline of Cincinnati Bengals no. winning their first Super Bowl. I think it's their first Super Bowl. Yeah, they haven't been. They haven't won a Super Bowl. In LA, that would be wild. So they won their first Super Bowl yeah. against the Rams. Come on, man. That's, that's that would, a headline. That would be really interesting. Um, that's great. Now, just listening to, to our album reviews and start off with their friends' um, lyrics to go volume three. Uh, in his latest project, Coda shared a featureless project that sees him get very vulnerable with just 10 tracks. Um, even in a track like Dear Fear, which was him being, you know, very introspective, very introspective while rapping over jazz influenced production. Um, what were kind of your initial thoughts on this project and just, you know, how his pen game has, you know, always been present with great lyrics and, and flows? Yes, yes. Yeah, he's he's interesting for sure. Um I think he has one of those cadences that really make you, you want to sit in a coffee shop and just and just meditate. <laughs> like, and like that's the vibe he gives me. Try to this down, and it seems like I'm just spitballing. But yeah, yeah, you you just really want to dissect his music and the way he writes is like, so crazy. I love the way he writes. Like when he said, all you have is now be present with creation. I mean, like, it's just simple bro. simple lyrics he's like that. Like, he's just, he's going to say the most simple things, but it's going to, like, you're going to think about it a lot. It's it's how he pre- how he presents mm. it, how he, how he says it with the cadence. Yeah. And, I'm, and you, you, he makes you believe it. He reminds me of Lundrell. Um, he's more like a poet rapper as well, and I, I like those type of rappers. I like yes. that. That's a different element for 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 hip hop, especially Bro, Dakota. I want to know who that person is. I really, I really dig this one. I love the production. I don't know who did his production, <laughs> but I want to call them up and say, "Hey, this was dope." Hey, I need you. I don't care how much it costs. I need you. Definitely. Were, were there any like standout yeah, tracks on here, or was it just kind of like a straight run through where you just solid, you really like the overall it's just vibe? Like a vibe. Of the, I like the vibe project. music. Yes, love Skate Blue. 
Uh, scapegoat. I love how he he started. Bitter that is off. crazy. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness, bitter is crazy. Yeah. Uh, no, it's top one, two, three. It's scapegoat twenty nine, bitter, and then everything else perfectly. Bro. Where the storytelling he has in some of these tracks, no, yo, is, no, I mean, no, yo, it's, it's up there. Crazy. Yeah, man, he flows stupid on that. And it's like, bro, I don't know this production, bro. Like, I keep going back to his production. The sequencing was, was perfect. Crazy. And, and, and everything flowed Definitely. well. Like, for each song going into the next song, to the next song, to the next song. It flowed well. Yes. Yes. That's extremely hard to do. Extremely no skips do. at all in this and one. And he yeah. did it perfectly. Um, and then the and now just thing to, to Shay Noor's uh, Food for Thought spot. review. In this new album, the MC producer from Buffalo demonstrates just, you know, her massive range style and techniques mm-hmm. from... Um, nostalgic reminiscence to certain narratives accompanied by the golden age inspired production that just you know all over her previous works but what were some of your thoughts on this album and the elements that kind of sit out the most in it i thought so too i'm not even gonna lie to you <laughs> when i saw the cover i was like oh she's gonna be singing <laughs> she kind of threw me off i thought she was gonna be singing i'm so glad you said that i'm so glad you said that. <laughs> But I think I've heard of her before. <laughs> I think I've heard of her before. She rapping, rapping. Yeah, because when, when I start playing, okay, I'm like, oh, yeah, she going to start. Oh, she not singing. Oh, she rapping. <laughs> but no, I thought it was cool. I mean, I like I like her flow. Yeah. I like her flow. It just, it's just hard for me to get into. And I don't want to sign myself in this. It's hard for me to get into, like, female rap. Mm. I don't know. Like the one female rapper I've been heavy on is um um Rhapsody. She she's so nice. Rhapsody oh, I love so that. Nice. Okay. So 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 nice. She don't get half of the credit she needs to get. And she was featured on Reasons. L- Little Sims. Uh, Little Sims is another I one I can I can still listen to a lot because I feel as though Little Sims yeah, like yeah, just yeah. her That's her flow on the type of production that she uses is is immaculate. Fire. But it's it's kind of a little Sims. The Sometimes I Might Be Introvert album that we did, reviewed last year. Yeah. Yeah. Who? Little Sims. Who's that? That matters a lot. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had a nice flow, too. Uh, it's the voice, though. It's it's the voice. It's the, it's the flow. Yeah. Like, it, like, it, I used to and, be and, and like that that is because like even with that, like, can you tell just with certain artists, like, even maybe from the first two tracks, some some voices are going to be harder to listen to and, to than others, not because like their their content isn't as good, but it's just the the preference that 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 you like mostly have when you listen to is a little different, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure, and that's why I always say something about the voice. Like I, I said, uh, Corday's voice is is pitch perfect. And I think I said that when Reese was on here, it's pitch perfect how he, he utilizes his voice. Rick Ross, um, it's a, like Rhapsody, how she utilizes her voice is pitch perfect, not pitch, pitch perfect. So with the with the voice, the voice is the right. first thing, the cadence, Definitely. the flow, all that stuff, how you how you switch up, all that good stuff, that adds into it. But the voice is the first thing people's going to hear when you get on the track. Oh, I know. You, <laughs> you are a huge you Nikki. You got to jail with your voice. And some people, I just, their voice is not. He was on repeat. <laughs> I used to be a big fan. Huge. Like, the beat. 
King album, bro. Bro, I used to listen to Nicki all the time. Anybody want to have a heart? <laughs> Yo, I used to blast that at 14, bro. I'm not going to lie to you. Bro, uh, what's it is? Uh, um, but now she's listening uh, to Nick Grant's Welcome to Loveland like um, album. Bro, In this new 13-track project, bro. it contains just a yeah, lot of groovy beats and appearances from up-and-coming stars. Um, the clever rhymes and also him rapping over just smooth and funky beats was you know, an extremely strong takeaway. But what were some of your thoughts on this album and him focusing on the conscious soul of, of hip-hop? Because there were a lot of songs in here where he sound, almost sounded like how Kendrick did in To Him About a Butterfly. Like, like they, like there were certain, some, some certain similarities with, you know, some of the styles that he chose, but kind of like, what were some of your takeaways from it? Yeah. Yes. Voice. His voice. Pitch perfect. Mm. Pitch perfect. Like on Keep It As A Woman, his cadence. Like that, yes. nana, banana, banana, <laughs> bro. That's a fire cadence. A lot of people can't keep that up and make it pitch perfect. That's a fire cadence. Yeah, dude's dude's nice, bro. Dude's nice. This is a solid project. His voice, his cadence, his 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 confidence in his writing and his confidence in his delivery. Definitely, which sold me on the album. Because some of the songs was just like some of the hooks. And then you like, kept listening to it. it changed. How he delivered mm-hmm. it and how he was confident in it, it makes you want to be like, okay, let me give it another. Let me listen to it. Yeah. Like at first, I didn't like Keep It as a Woman. You have to. Then I went back and listened to it again. Yeah. And I was like, I love that K. I love that melody. That's crazy. Bro, like this. You got it. Sometimes you got these guys. Like some other ones, the simulation, brutal honesty, the ingredient. Uh, like, were, were there any other tracks that I felt as though were just, were just like some, some key standouts? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you said tracks? Oh, Cupid is a Woman, Cats and Dogs, obviously, because you said, uh, I told a bigger friend, I said, we could all evolve. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, yeah, he, he went off in that one. Brutal Honesty was a nice one for me. Zombies, Zombies was was a sleeper that I that I liked. I don't know why I liked it, but I liked it. It was nice. But I think that's I think that's it. But my favorite too was Keep It As a Woman and Cats and Dogs. I love his is his bars and Cats and Dogs. I told a bigger fist and he got all these bars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude's nice, man. Um, and now listening to, to our last review, Sabrina Claudio's Put On Repeat. Um, in her latest single in almost two years, the musical backdrop just has, you know, all the feels of a modern jam with, with simmering uh, synth chords, slow and deliberate echoes of electric guitars and drums that just keep it, they, they keep the tempo at a nice and steady pace. And the chorus reflects the title exactly, looping her vocal while the music's intensity is turned up a few notches. But what were some of your initial takeaways of this new single as, you know, we haven't had music from her in a while and it seems like now she's making a comeback with, with, with uh, some more new tracks. I think I've heard this before. Like, you think so? Song idea. Okay. And it makes me want to figure out who wrote it. So while we do that, I'm going to figure out who wrote it. Okay. A lot of people. Yeah. This, this, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this sounds familiar. Familiar. The hook, not the hook, but like the, the melody. Yes. Who said? I'm gonna put on my dun, 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 dun. like that's not familiar, and I didn't like that. Jasmine Sullivan. Yes, 
Yes. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. Oh, no, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever wrote that probably wrote that yes, for her. <laughs> I'm about to say I knew this. I knew the I knew the melody from somewhere. I was like, I've heard this before, but mm-hmm. it was yeah, it was alright. It wasn't okay. Clearly, like I like. We've heard it, we've heard it better from Sabrina Claudio. Yeah, like her old stuff. Like I, goodness, I think I've man. said this before. Her old stuff is like oh, way better. And I, I got to get out of routine. I'm saying people's old stuff is better, but that's how I feel. But sometimes it's just true. This is a fact. I forgot who she. One of my favorite songs by her. Is uh don't let me down, and that was 2018. Yeah, with uh with Khalid, don't let me down. Like yeah, that's that's. I'm trying to, I'm trying, like to th- I'm trying to think of uh, of the project that the, the project that she had that I believe it was in 2017. About time for yeah, about time for 2017. Yeah. That mm-hmm. album was crazy. That was nice. I wanted to get back to that. It's kind of hard to follow back on those type of vibes. Because you're a different person. And what how you were when you created that album or, or that single is not going to be the same unless you get back yeah. into that same reign with it. I remember, I think uh, it's probably a, a worse guy to, to mention, Rick James. He said he did an album where he was on the uh, island. He was doing all kind of crazy stuff. And he said, only my family listened to it. And it was like, uh, <laughs> he said, he told him, man, you got to get back to the streets, man. You got to get, nobody want to hear about you doing this and that and that. And so he said, I got back to the streets. I got walked back with the pimps. And uh, I had to get my ear to the streets. And then that song went, I think, double platinum or something like that, he said. Wow. But you got to get back to the same element you were in when you created that. Created that, that song. So it's kind of back to that core sound. Yeah, especially if you have a specific person in your life and a mm-hmm. person not in your life. And you can't grab from that? Oh my <laughs> Where are you at? <laughs> Dang, man. Oh, man. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our Jango Unchained review. Welcome back to the show. And now we're getting into our review of Django Unchained. And to start with the overview, Django Unchained is a 2012 revisionist Western film written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring Jamie Foxx, Christopher Walsh, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio, Kerry Washington, and Samuel Jackson with Walton Goggins, Dennis Christopher, James Remar, Michael Parks, and Don Johnson in supporting roles. Set in the Old West and Antebellum South, it is a highly stylized, um, heavily revisionist tribute to spaghetti westerns, in particular, the 1966 Italian film Django by Sergio uh, Carbucci, whose star Franco Nero had a cameo appearance. Had a budget of 100 million and brought in 425.4 million in the box office. Um, has an 87% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and received numerous awards and nominations, as well as five nominations at the 85th Academy Awards. But to you to start off, like, what were kind of your initial thoughts on this film? As it was one that was not only bold but stylistically daring. Oh, my first thoughts on this film, I thought it was going to be like a a regular, you know, slave film, like 12 Years a Slave. Um, yeah. You know, those type of roots type thing. Should have known with Quentin Tarantino behind it. Oh, it's no. going to be a bit different. <laughs> and then I, that was my first initial reaction. Then they start, just the jokes just start flowing. And um, I was like, oh, yeah, this is funny. I'm still kind of mad. But this, <laughs> this is so funny, bro. Like You feel guilty laughing. Yes, bro. <laughs> this is like tormenting my ancestors and just like my lineage. And, but it's funny, though. You want to tell them about <laughs> Like a white folks did that? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm sorry. This this movie was super funny, man. I'm gonna be outbursting like that this entire 
hashtag me, bro. So get ready. Put your, put your shoes on, Wellington. Put your shoes on, guys. Come on. Come on, everyone. Everyone listen. Put your shoes on. <laughs> um, but, but to start off with the first topic from one to four stars, what would you give it? Like, looking at this overall, like, what would be your particular rating for it in some of your Oh, it's got to be a four, man, because it's hard to infuse yeah, comedy. And this this is what comedy is all about. The degree yeah. of difficulty. He, he had to pull this off. Yeah, you see a lot of guys. Dave Chappelle bring, brings comedy from real-life situations. <laughs> Eddie Griffin. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, um, uh, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock. Everybody brings in from the turmoil and makes it funny. It's extremely hard to do that with slavery. Um, and to be able to do that for this length of a movie and not be cheesy, not go overboard. I think it was it was extremely good to it deserves a four stars and it had a, a star studded cast man look at all these people in here man how do you pay everybody and it grossed a lot of money but how do you pay everybody this how do you do Samuel it? Jackson alone Jamie Foxx alone Kerry Washington Leonardo DiCaprio come on bro but like do you think that's the always the biggest challenge with, with like with Tarantino films that he knows like when especially when he has a film like this he has to also bring together an A list cast to make sh- to make it all work together for sure and I think. People love work with him. You see Samuel Jackson has worked with him a couple times. Leonardo DiCaprio has yep. worked with Jackie him. Jackie Brown. Uh, and you see all these guys that continue to want to come back and work with him because the, they know the role is going to be good. They know the, the screenplay, the, the, the writing is going to be good. So I think it's not hard for people like when Tarantino does call. Because it feels like he doesn't make many movies. So when you do get the he's yeah. very particular about how many he's going to so do you, a certain, a, a, every other So year. you get a phone call from him. You're like, yeah. I don't care what I'm doing. I don't care if I'm doing MCU Universe. (laughs) I'll do it. Quentin. So it's just like, when he calls, you know, it's it's, it's like an honor to be in in the film. So, yeah, four stars for sure. Definitely. I I would give it four as well. As we mentioned, it has incredible actors who play just memorable characters. And there's a smooth incorporation of violence and dialogue, plus tension and just a really interesting plot. But Getting now into favorite character, um, mm. to me, like Broomhilda from, from Carrie Washington, yeah. she was really able to highlight just the authentic portrayals of, of Broomhilda's emotions and every sense of terror or being speechless that she conveys is all, also what the audience will feel and delivers one of the most human performances in this movie. Mm-hmm. But to you overall, who was kind of your favorite character? Oh, that's hard, but I'm happy to give it to uh, Calvin Candy uh, for multiple reasons because he was he was so dumb. He was so dumb. <laughs> Um, he used to use all these things and don't know where they come from. A slave actually wrote the three musketeers, and then you don't actually know French, but you want to miss your candy. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like you just see, you just inherit that power. But he, I think the role was so good. Leonardo DiCaprio, don't don't tug on my sweetheart. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Say, if I pay for a, a black black I expect five fights from you for roll over there. Bro, this movie is so terrible, but it's funny. It's so, t- <laughs> it's so many one-liners, bro. It's so many one-liners. But I say Calvin Candy for the multiple reasons. Because he was dumb, but he was also smart. He was tenacious, but he did have a little soft spot. It's just it was just a good mm-hmm. combination of a character. And then he died like a like an idiot because you want to shake his hand and you got popped in your flower. <laughs> Do you really want to shake my head? You really want to? <laughs> right. 
<laughs> right in the flower. Your choice. <laughs> no, Samuel L. Jackson like, oh, I can't, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> man, this movie here, man. Oh, my goodness. Um, but, but now getting into most memorable scenes, I had uh, Dr. Schultz freeing Django. Uh-huh. Also, Django and Dr. Schultz shooting the entire gang dead in seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Django's rampage on the way to save Broomhilda. Yeah. Uh, Django killing everyone at Candyland after Calvin's funeral, and then That's finally good. the first shootout at, at Candyland. Um, so you kind of like what were some of the memorable scenes you had in, in this movie? Ooh, uh, when he rode into the plantation on the um on the nag, the first one. Like, what that fool doing on that nag? Not with Samuel Jackson, but the other ones. Not in front of my uh black is he Not in front of mine. So that was a good scene just to show how. That was unseen, like no one's ever seen a black person. Not yeah, not coming at all, especially going into the. And then uh, the scene where he was like, he shot the sheriff, and then he got the deputy. Then he pulled out the Westcom. That was a good one. And um, oh, when he was talking about, um, is it easy or a fix or something? He was like, I don't know what that means. Uh, I forgot what it was, man. It's a bunch of them. It's a bunch of them. Something. And then the last one, I think, it was a really, really good one, was when he shot uh, Candy. He was like, I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. He got blown away. That was a scene, boy. That was a scene. There's so many good ones. and I mean, so many standouts in this one. It's just uh, so many to pick from. And now getting into most memorable quotes I had, I'm curious what makes you so curious. Uh, let's get out of That's here. What, what kind of dentist are you? And then I count two guns. To you, like, what are what were some of the memorable quotes in, in this one that you feel as though were the main standouts? Oh, man, that's so hard. What that Negro doing on that nag by Samuel Jackson? Um, oh, man, Jamie Foxx had a couple of them. Ah, shoot. I, it's, I'm drawing a blade, man. You said all the good ones. I'm drawing a blade. But it's too many for me to it's be, like, to narrow it down. But that was one of my favorite. What that boy did on that day? <laughs> uh, but but now getting into what did you like the most about the storyline? You know, to me, just obviously, like the, there is a lot of controversy surrounding this film, but it discusses taboos in our society in the most direct possible way, and you know, it still adds an element of parody and satire. Um, to you, kind of like what was the the main element in the storyline that you kind of um, found the most intriguing and you liked the most? That it was love behind all of it. He was this whole like in the beginning. Obviously, he was trying to find a guy so they could get money. But the overall concept of this movie is like going with, going all out just to find the person or be back with your love, the, the love of your life or whatever. I think that was like the nucleus of the film. And I don't know. I think I think that was that was a good storyline. Obviously, you got the killing. Um, you got the. The good fight scenes, the goriness, you know how Quentin Tarantino likes gory blood scenes. That's every movie he's ever created, just over the wall blood. And but I think the the love aspect was I think the foundation of the film, obviously, is slavery and stuff. And and you, you see love throughout the film, like even the love of Stephen had love for Calvin Candy. Oh Calvin, and he did that. And then the love for Bruhilda. And then just Dr. Schultz having love for uh, Django and treating him like a human being after that, because he could have just let him go. But he was like, I want to help you. I want to let you know, what what do you want, Django? And just having that love and respect for people. Um, I thought that was a good a good foundation of the film. Definitely. And, and I mean, obviously, the, the, the main actor in this one, Jamie Foxx, has been in just so many different roles, obviously, um, 
as an artist, what he's doing as an actor, um, just a lot of standout films. Uh, you look back at something like Collateral, Just Mercy, even earlier in uh, earlier last year in Soul, like Ray, what, what, what he's been able to do in so many movies. Mm-hmm. Like, what did this film show you in terms of his range and what he can bring to the table and just any different facet? It's, I would say this, it's extremely hard to portray. And I've seen, <laughs> I've seen Tyrese video of him trying to be in this film and see his um, audition tape. And I'd say it's extremely hard to portray Slade too. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. what he, what Tyrese said then, I was like, I wouldn't have picked him either, brother. But just to see what Jamie Foxx, the versatility he has and the range he has just to bring this character out. Because it, it at first, you can see the progression through the character, how he was literally was a slave, and then as he got out of slavery or they freed him, his mindset changed. He got confident in himself. He felt like a real human being, and Jamie Foxx portrayed that to him, especially when he didn't want to kill the guy in front of his son. So it was just like him going through different stages of finally feeling like a human being. Now I was a slave months years ago now i could finally feel like i'm a human being i could do certain things i could go through these emotions without being will without me certain things so i think jamie fox portrayed that really really well and not saying anybody else could but jamie fox did it in a way that it it, it resonates definitely and, and before we get to our last topic there was you know back in 2012 spike lee was he was very vocal about this film yeah. he, he, even back in 97 he had an issue with jackie brown um, in terms of in terms of what Tarantino was using in terms of some of the dialogue, and he said um, he said quote American slavery was not a, a, a Sergio Leon spaghetti western it was a Holocaust my ancestors were slaves stolen from Africa I will honor them end quote to you like looking at some of the criticisms criticisms that were given to this film and even from Spike Lee's perspective what did you think about it and just like how Tarantino was having to navigate outside noise while he was still trying to pull off a successful film and and. He had to, to address a, a touchy subject, yeah. but it was still something that it was very difficult to, to really navigate. And slavery is always going to be not a taboo subject, but a subject that you can look at it in different perspectives. And when it comes to Spike Lee, who's been an advocate for the black community, advocate for a lot of black films and things like that, I I, I agree. It's because a lot of people like the new roots, when they recreated the roots, they made it seem like right. it was just a soft no, it was barbaric, it was crazy, it was a holocaust. And a lot of people try to downplay what slavery actually did, the, the aftermath of slavery. So I totally agree with um Spike Lee, but at the same time, when it comes to film, film is or art is is perception. It's how you perceive it, I believe. And I think when Tarantino came up with the idea of doing this, I think that's why he added so much comedy to it to try to try to douse it. But he had true events in there, true things about slavery that you can still learn from. Now, I do agree with Spike Lee, but nobody's not going to make the movie. You know what I mean? Right. I'm glad he yeah. made this movie. because It needed to be made. Yeah, because at, cause every time I watch a slavery movie or, or a civil rights film, whatever, I get mad. I remember this movie to the T. We was in North Carolina when it first came out. And it was Christmas time and we watched this film. And I was I was laughing, but I was super mad afterwards. And we went into a Denny's, Wellington. It was filled with older white white people. We walked in, they looked at us like, why y'all doing it? And I got pissed. Cause I just saw Django and I'm pissed. I saw that. I'm yeah, mad, man. That's rough. So even with 
with the the comedy in there, it's still not going to downplay for myself or me what slavery as what slavery was. So just because Prince Tarantino that can never be down exactly, never needs to be, and that's my and I think that's my point. I agree with Spike Lee, but I can watch this film and still feel the same way I felt before I watched the film. Absolutely. So it really didn't, yeah, it didn't that ground down great for me. So, but I understand what Spike Lee's saying. Definitely. And now getting into our last topic, 10 years from now, do you still think this will be watchable and intriguing? Oh, yeah. um, th- 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 this is obviously one that w- that will, with it being j- just the type of um, having unbridled entertainment that's going to challenge audiences. And it, it really is going to be packed with just so much tense drama and, and, and memorable dialogue. As I, as I always say with, with Tarantino, his dialogue is what separates him from other directors. Yeah. Um, to you, like, what do you think will continue to make this watchable and intriguing, uh, just a watchable and intriguing? The comedy. You see it all. You see these similar small little clips on um, TikTok, Facebook, all the social media outlets. You like little always circulating. always circulating. So it's always going to peak, you know, peak someone's interest and peaks the young next generation interest. Because I watch this, it's on Netflix, and every time I see it, I'm like, man, let me go to watch this. I know I'm, I'm watching it. Hey, I know I'm gonna be <laughs> mad, but it's, it's funny it. <laughs> too, man. But you got to get out the, the get out. You know, yeah, whatever. But I think just just how it circulates the comedy in it. The actors, of course, and then it's Quentin Tarantino's. It's Quentin Tarantino's film, man. And the the fact that I love the way he does that, it makes you appreciate the films more when he does drop them because I know he circulates different screenplays, different different things throughout the year before he decides. Okay, this is what I want to pinpoint. This is what I want to focus on. I'm going to push this one. So if you push this one, it means it's it's going to be a good one. Do you think this is a, like, out of all the films Tarantino has done, like, do you think this is a clear-cut top five oh, yeah. Tarantino in terms of it? Yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. From the writing, yeah. from the, the characters, for everybody, everybody fitting perfectly within the scheme. That's of, so tough. It's so tough. Even you take the little role. We didn't see Samuel Jackson till probably end of the movie. He mm-hmm. stole the show. Second half. He stole the show Wild. with that little part. So it's just everything fits perfectly. Samuel Jackson had a small role. We didn't see Kerry Washington that much. It was just split between the two, like going back and forth with like memories and stuff. It was mostly Jamie Foxx and Christopher Walken. Exactly. Waltz. So to be able to do that, and then when you are going to bring everybody into it, then it just clicks even more because you're still engaged in the beginning because you're mm-hmm. still getting killed, you're still getting seized, like all that stuff. And then the, the big actors come in and it just brings everything together and just blows your mind. Definitely. That wraps it up for tonight. I'm Rose Winter Burns, along with Counterpart Save by Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.